Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming out to uh, the first Rewrite the Rules event. Um, so it's, uh, you know, turning your side hustle into the main hustle. Um, so appreciate you guys coming out. Um, so first, we'll just kind of start with doing a little bit of an intro. Uh, just kind of get a good idea of kind of where everybody's at with, with what you guys are doing in terms of a side hustle or thinking about doing a side hustle. Um, so for me, most of you guys know me for a decent amount of time or, you know, somewhat recently. Um, but I followed the pretty much the regular path all through. I just want to be talking to this, huh? I followed the regular path all through college, basically, right? And it was after college where I realized that it was time to do something different and kind of deviate from the path that was that was kind of set up for me. Um, and that's where I did AmeriCorps for a year. And then I went into wildland firefighting from there for four years um, and doing traveling as well. And it was there that I was starting to meet a bunch of people that were living totally different lifestyles than what I was accustomed to. Um, and that's where I found to rewrite the rules was basically to showcase those like unique stories and ideas and lifestyles and mindsets that I was coming across, um, basically to make it easy on people to show how easy it was to live life on your own terms, right? Um, basically because I believe that society does a, a good enough job of boxing ourselves in, right? Of boxing us all into like where they think we should be. And it's our job to break ourselves out. Um, so that's what rewrite the rules was founded on. And that's kind of my backdrop here. So um, let's go to Greg. You want to kind of give a little backstory here? Yeah, real quickly. I'm Greg Larson. Alex and I met through some girl that I was dating and she hooked us up <laughs> right. just randomly. I think that's a cute origin story. I, I feel like I'd have been depriving you guys if I didn't tell you. She's like, I'm not interested in you, but I have this friend, Alex, who you'll really be interested in. <laughs> we like became buddies. Um, but I'm an author, editor, and ghostwriter. And I used to work with a media company, worked with people like Tucker Max, Tim Ferriss, and other people I can't mention. And I would help them write their books and take their ideas and turn it into stories they could tell the world. And I left that space to go my own way. And uh, you'll hear a little bit more about my story in a little bit. Yeah, cool. So yeah, if you could just start right here, Adam, just kind of say, um, you know, who you are and, uh, you know, if you're working on a side project right now or you've been thinking about it or you're just kind of here to new ideas, kind of give us a little backstory on, on where you're at. Sure, so... Yeah, my name's Adam, and um, I'm currently self-employed. And a lot of people think that that comes with a lot of freedom and that I have flexibility and schedule, and, and I can make my own schedule. And while some of that is true, um, it's really not that, that true. You know, I, I really own a job, and you know, if I have 15 clients this month, that means that I have 15 bosses. So I don't really have um, you know any ideas, but I'm definitely open to looking for a side hustle um, so that I can have a little bit more freedom and maybe not work for the rest of my life. Hear her. Yeah. <laughs> what, what industry, Adam? I have a mortgage company. Okay. So, so real estate. Gotcha. Okay. And if you were to venture off into, you, you own your own mortgage company, if you were to venture off into something else, is that something that you're interested in or you're just staying completely in real estate now? Right now, I'm completely in real estate. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but I, I would absolutely be open to diversifying into some other industry that um, really interests me or I, you know, I'm passionate about. Um, but right now the mortgage industry is really paying the bills. So it's, it's going right. it's, it's to be something that's, um, you know, on the side and that will hopefully maybe take over the mortgage. But um, for now it's going to be a mortgage. Okay. And it's something on the side. Okay. It does. Yeah. 
Uh, any idea what the on the side would potentially be or no? Okay. Not right now. That's cool. Been a while here. Perfect, man. Sweet. Perfect. Welcome, Mason. Yeah. Um, I work in tech. I work really close by. I'm not going to too many details. This podcast, but uh, uh, yeah. I mean, so the reason why I came here is because I'm exploring the idea of breaking away from the career software engineer, career data analyst. I, I definitely was the victim of the whole expectation of like, you know, you go to high school, go to college, get a career, you stick to that, it pays the bills, then you get married, buy a house, and whatever. Uh, I've ticked off most of those boxes, but you know, that doesn't really come a lot of fulfillment, at least with what I'm doing. So I'm exploring, moving forward, uh, various plans that I might have to uh, kind of free myself a little bit more financially. Even if that means like, finding a different full-time job that pays less but supplementing that to maintain my current lifestyle with the side gig. So I'm looking at different options there. You, what was the brand that you were thinking about starting like a month or two ago that we were talking uh, about? It was it was something focused mainly on, uh, I, and actually I'm still kind of thinking about it, it's just kind of morphing in different ways. Sure. Right now it's uh, focused on trying to fitness mindset, but specifically geared towards men. So kind of building in fitness mindset and philosophy a bit because those are my main, uh, you know, attractions in life. It's, it's kind of what I, what I see to myself is I, um, really, I dabble a little bit and I, I explore and, and try to, uh, you know, understand our place, my place, what it means to, to be not just a man according to some pattern of what we think it is, but kind of exploring what it means to be your type of man, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that kind of discussion is what I want to elaborate on with everyone because everyone's trying to find a place to fit some mold of masculinity. And that's not the case. You kind of discover it for yourself, right? Um, I do think there are some core values. So I, I kind of like and focusing more on like the virtuous masculinity type of you know, caricature there, I guess, um, to expand on. But, but that's just to give people a platform to jump off of and explore themselves and figure out what they want to do. Okay. When you set the expectations, people just get anxious. It's it's not the way you should go. Right. Right. Okay. So you're kind of at that idea phase, Still. and and how is this going to manifest a way into eventually making yeah. me money that yeah. down the road? Okay. It's, it's partially interest, partially like maybe I can turn into something that would make money, but that's not going to be the core. Right. So. Okay. That phrase, virtuous masculinity. Did you come up with that? Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's good. That is really good. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's like not just being a man. Right. Right. Yeah. And you're, he's really into st uh, stoicism and stuff too. So that's kind of where that's all coming from. Right. Like the, the core of it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, man. Oh, by the way too, if anyone, if you like want us to, if you want me to cut out, like you guys are in jobs or companies or whatever, seriously, like I've done that before with other podcasts. You want me to cut stuff out? It's like, Hey, because uh, I want this to be able to be interactive and say whatever you want. So if you're like, yo, Alex, cut that shit out later, just let me know. Okay. Jesse, what's up? I'm Jesse. The last few years, I've worked in various kind of marketing, uh, creative roles, probably like the last three or four years. Um, the things that I was confident at, but I realized about three or four, three months ago that it wasn't doing it for me. Like I could do it, I could get a paycheck, and that was okay but it wasn't uh, starting at the point uh, of my core values, like you were talking about. Um, so I quit my job um, with really not a lot of money saved up, and I didn't really know what I was doing. 
So for the past few months, I've been trying to figure it out. Uh, not in a good financial place, but trying. I know that I can. Uh, I've been focusing a lot on video, uh, video and marketing. I'm trying to figure out. I know I can do good with. I can make good videos, but I'm like, how the fuck do I get clients? I don't know what. I don't know any of that stuff. So that's why I want to. You know, I'm here and I want to talk to you guys and learn from you guys and all of you guys about that because it's one thing to do a job. It's one thing to actually be uh, competent in all aspects of it because I can make a great fucking video but if nobody knows who I am or I can't communicate that to somebody then I'm going to be lost and I'm just going to be making videos by myself in the fucking woods. Awesome man. Well I appreciate you two saying that it's um, that uh, you're not in a good financial place. I think a lot of times people like try and act like I'm doing fantastic like I'm making 30k a month like living on my own. It's amazing. So I appreciate you like being honest and saying like, yo, I'm trying to make this work. It's, it's fucking hard over here. Yeah. yeah. And Jesse and I used to work together too. Um, all the way up until May of this year, actually. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. That's, that's the hustle. Like. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm Ryan, Ryan Software. I also work in tech. Uh, I work for a, a large enterprise software company. And I do creative storytelling. And marketing uh, for this company, you know, it's the the fun thing about storytelling and doing video and doing all this creative stuff is it's fantastic within bringing up yeah. um, and that's where exactly to your point, you know, I'm kind of creating that outside. So I've I've started doing some things with uh, the Six Flags and San Antonio, just on a fluke, a total fluke. Got got a consulting gig down with them. So I'm wanting to do a lot more of that kind of stuff. Um, but my ultimate dream goal is to become like a master storyteller, to really understand the human condition, the human psyche, and figure out ways to convey stories to the world. Now, whether that's through video, written, any one of these forms, you know, there's a ton of different ways where we can we can tell these stories. And that's what I eventually want to turn a side hustle into. So totally, totally want to start the next Pixar, want to do all that kind of stuff so that there's, you know, better, more authentic, more human, more true stories being told in the world. Because I don't know about you guys, but if you go on social media, all that shit on there is fake as hell. Yeah. You know, just because it's really not, it's not the true human condition. You know, it's, it's the true authentic, Oh, smile, that's part of someone's moment. Right. But what is the true human journey? You know, what is the true masculine human journey? And what role do we all play in it? Awesome, man. That's my ultimate science. Sweet, sweet. Um, yeah, and something that, that brought up too, um, as we get into it here, that with side hustles, you know, with, with Rewrite the Rules as a brand, I have made no money directly from Rewrite the Rules ever not a single penny directly from rewrite the rules, but the amount that I have made from like the, I help out with a, my buddy's company right now that actually like helps coaches and entrepreneurs launch their online business. I only know him through somebody I met doing my brand. Like everyone here today, I've pretty much met through some extension of that. And so like, even if it doesn't at the beginning directly correlate to revenue, like in your pocket directly, it's always like, adding stuff to your life that will add money or even forget, forget the money. It adds so many things to your life that like add benefits you can't really calculate as easily. So I think that's a big point as I was listening to everyone share their stories um, before we begin here. But we're also going to get into how to fucking make money because that's the important part too if you want to do this stuff, right? If you want to replace what you're doing or supplement. Um, so right here, you're going to learn 
um, from this conversation right here, how to actually build it, um, when to leave your job, if that's something that you're thinking about. Okay. Like when to actually do that in those conversations and how to have them. Um, and then of course that's going to be like the first two stages. And then the second two stages is going to be how to actually get your first client. All right. Like the rubber meets the road. This is all great in theory, but how do I get money in my account so that I can actually live my life and, and make this into something reality. Right. Um, and then of course the mistakes, fears, and failures that come along uh, with the territory. So the way we're going to break this down is we're going to use Greg as a case study. Um, because he quit in what month? May. Yeah. So he quit in May and is now being a successful solopreneur. At least he replaced his income as a solopreneur, right? Which is pretty much what a lot of people want, or at least about a supplement, you know, pretty heavily what they're already doing. Um, so going to use Greg as a case study and we're basically going to break it up into four parts of like why he decided to leave, actually leaving the job. And then the next two, like I said, is going to be getting those first clients and all the setbacks. So we're going to kind of just kind of like go through his story. Um, but we also want this to be interactive. So, you know, each one will be, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, something like that, each, you know, those four segments. Um, but if you guys have a question that comes up during it, then let's just get into that question. Obviously, we can't spend a half hour on each one, but let's just get into that question. And then we can do a lot more at the end, too. Cool. Nice. Um, all right, cool. Well, let's start with... Uh, the dream job. So, um, Greg, let's like kind of just start with um, where you were at. Mm. Um, give a little bit of the backdrop of the place you were in and what led up to you um, actually getting those thoughts in your head that you wanted to leave this job that you always wanted. Yeah. On paper, I, I was working as a ghostwriter for a media company. And like on paper, it was amazing. Like I had amazing mentors, authors that I'd looked up to my entire life. And, um, my entire adult life, at least. I didn't read these guys when I was one, you know? But, um, like, I was making great money. I had, like, all my friends. Like, Jesse here is my best friend in the whole world. We work together. And I was like, I can't give up these relationships to leave. But at the same time, all this great stuff on paper, like, I was losing, I was losing sleep. I was working so hard. I had high blood pressure for the first time in my life. And I'm like, I'm a pretty thin dude. And I like my heart rate was through the roof, blood pressure through the roof. Um, I didn't have any life outside of work and I couldn't really admit it to myself for a long time. Uh, just because on pay, like, I don't know if it was the status or the money or what, but I just kept, I just kept at it, man, like for a year. And it didn't really hit me until I, I took a trip to see some old college buddies on the East Coast in Greenville, South Carolina, bumfuck South Carolina. The only reason you'd go there is if like you already know people there, right? But I was like, I was trying to work while I was in this small town and all my friends were hitting me up like, yo, you're back in town, come hang out. Um, and I ignored all of them. Like I didn't spend any time with my friends because I was working, I was working the entire trip. Uh, and I'd taken like five days so I could ostensibly hang out with my friends. And I just sat in my hotel room, dude. If I was going to end my life in a hotel room, it would have been the the days in in Greenville, South Carolina, dude. I thought it was bumfuck. So <laughs> it was it was brutal, man. I was like, I was like, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose this dream job because I can't focus on my work. I can't write these books the way I need to. I didn't admit to myself that I just needed to get out, man. Mm -hmm. I, even then I couldn't admit it to myself. And so what, how did you, how did you get from there to the point of, of breaking? 
it took me it took me and what was that point the point of breaking was i stepped away completely i didn't work for the first time for like a one week span over like christmas and i had enough distance from that life where i was like oh shit i've completely given up my own writing for the sake of ghostwriting other people's books i've given up uh, my physical health everything and then the point came when my dad asked me a question i was telling him about like considering maybe possibly sometime in the future maybe leaving this job and he's like when you're my when you're tucker's age the person who i was working with when you're 10 years on down the line do you want to be where he is now and i was like no and my dad said then you got to get out Anybody, anybody here relate to that a little bit of like people ahead of you in the organization or in the life, right? Where it's like, that's a really good indication of where exactly you're going if it, you stay on that same path, right? <laughs> Jesse's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, that would have been my best case scenario and it looked pretty bleak. Did it click with you right like in that moment? You knew what it was or how did it like unravel afterwards? When he... When I had that conversation with him, I, I was like, oh shit, I have to leave. But it took me maybe another five months for me to actually get up the balls to do it. Because I was thinking, okay, how am I going to pay the rent? Am I going to lose these friends? Whatever. I was like, I'm going to be in a ditch in, by 4th of July if I leave this job. So what am I going to do? And so I just made the decision. I'd had, all, I'd had a lot of opportunities for people to ask me for side work. And I'd said no to them because I was working so fucking hard at this job. And I finally just said, you know what? I'm just going to say yes to every single opportunity. If, even if I don't care about the person or if I don't care about what they're doing, I'm just going to say yes, just to get my foot in the solopreneur world. And that's literally when I made that choice. I don't know if I believe in like fate or that kind of stuff, but I made that choice and no exaggeration the next day, a client just dropped on my front. Jesse, you were there. <laughs> Somebody says, Hey Greg, uh, do you do like, do you write articles for CEOs? I was like, uh, I do now. <laughs> so I just said, yes. How, how big of a mindset shift do you think was that in terms of you actually being able to take that step to eventually leaving was just actually saying yes to things? Uh, it was a huge step because I knew if I said that first yes, it was going to lead me down the road where I was going to have to make a pretty tough choice of actually leaving this. I, I, dude, I just got raised and everything. <laughs> and it was, it was a pretty significant shift, man. I had a lot of people. I mean, I don't know how you guys are in your lives, but like a lot of people in my life were telling me not to, not to leave. Not everybody, but I definitely had. Why, why is that? Why are they telling you not to leave? Because they were worried about what would happen to my relation, our relationship uh, if I became a solopreneur because I'd be working too hard and I'd have to like say goodbye. I mean, straight up my romantic relationship. She didn't want me to leave my job because she was worried about how it would affect our relationship. Um, other people in my life, they didn't want me to leave too. And you guys might experience that too. And I kind of had to just follow my gut. Yeah. So going, going to that little more, I think that's super important of like deciphering between the input that we get from well-intentioned Yes. Well-intentioned parents, right? Well-intentioned family members that we're all going to see at Thanksgiving. Well-intentioned friends that like literally have have our interest in their mind. Like they're trying to help, but it's not for us. Yeah, it's really the best thing I can say 
I got really defensive when people would bring it up and that wasn't helpful for anybody. That's a mistake that I made. So if people were like, hey, for your own sake, like consider not leaving or consider, even if they were just like, hey, give it more to give it until the end of the year. I'd be like, fuck that, dude. I'm not doing that at all. Like I'm going to leave as soon as possible. And I think we're probably both wrong. Like the right option was somewhere in the middle. Um, but that's one thing I wish I had done differently is listen to those people actually. Like take the fact that they're telling me something I don't agree with take it into deeper consideration so I can like know for sure that I actually don't agree to stick around for too much longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And so take us through when you actually now let's go up to like when you're actually leaving the job. Yeah. And so you, you've been there for a long time and you know, you're, you're in a very good place with the job. You just got a raise, just got a raise. Walk us through. You actually make that decision. What do you say? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, dude, I was just about to go. I was just about to fly to Tampa to do a book with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. It's like going to be this amazing experience. And I was just like, dude, if I do that, I'm going to get sunk in even deeper. So again, I think this was a, another mistake. I put in a two weeks notice, which I think is kind of shitty in our day and age, especially the company that I was at. I was like, it was the kind of company where they would, if I told them like shit was wrong and I want to leave, they would have preferred to have known more so like earlier on so that they can make some changes. But from my perspective, I was like, I'm leaving either way. So why give them any? You didn't want them to like try and resell you on the company. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like I could get resold. Those fuckers on do that too. <laughs> I got nothing. But happy hours next week. I know, I know. I got nothing but respect for the people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mostly my shit. And, um, when I put in the two weeks notice, I just told them like, Hey, I'm playing small here. Like I'm, I'm not living my full potential here. And, uh, my biggest fears were that I would lose mentors and that I would lose friendships and all that. And, um, I kind of had to take that risk, man. And what, how did they take that? They were pissed, dude. Some of those people are still pissed at me. I lost a lot of mentors and I lost a lot of friends, man. And it sucks, dude. But that was a risk I had to take to take care of myself. I always like the details. So like, did you send this on a Slack message? Like when you walk in that door, who, who did you go find first? So I, and be like, all right, I need to talk to you in five minutes. So we had, I was going to talk to the person who directly oversaw me after we did like an in-person workshop together. It was a Friday afternoon. We just finished an in-person workshop similar to this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to walk him to his car and I'm going to tell him that I'm out. But he's fucking skittered off before I could get a word in edgewise. And being a little bit cowardly like I am, I was kind of pleased with that because I didn't have to have a face-to-face conversation. (laughs) Slack it is. So I sent it, I sent it via Slack. And I, of course, already had it drafted up. You broke up via text, you little bitch. (laughs) I did. I had two paragraphs written, just basically like, hey man, there's so much I love about this company. But I told I told them details. I said high blood pressure. I am not um doing my own creative endeavors right now and i think it's time for me to go my own way that person who i did the workshop with he i haven't talked to him since even when i went into the office for the next two weeks didn't talk to him because he was upset with you who knows like i i don't i'm not in his head probably because he's upset with me but when i gave i gave something similar to the ceo via slack as well um and then another person who oversaw my work and um yeah man the fallout was awkward for sure but everyone was relatively supportive did you at any point doubt your decision 
the doubt was before I put in that two weeks notice. After I put in the two weeks notice, I had uh, I was all in, man. Cool. Right on. Yeah. Any any questions about him bouncing? If you guys have, if, if it makes you think about what you're gonna say. So yeah. Was there like? I mean, I know that this kind of like boiled up over a long period of time, but like when you finally decided to do it, was there something that, that happened or was it just like all of a sudden it's like, it's time. And like, you know, during this time, did you try to like make sure your finances were in order or everything, you know, like all that other kind of stuff? Like your health insurance to go away, potentially that, that stuff. Yeah. So the thing that set me over the edge, I hadn't even thought about this, but I did one book project. I wrote a book. And I realized that I just mailed it in. It was a shit project. And it was such an easy, it was like a straightforward digital marketing book. It could have just been like, boom, 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 just paint by numbers kind of book. And I, I did it shittily, I think unconsciously, you know, like on purpose, but not really. Yeah. And when I realized that one of my mentors in the company, she was like, what's going on? Uh, do you need another pass at this book or what? I was like, no. Once I realized that my shitty work was taken away from my client's experience, I was like, now it's time for me to go because now I'm bringing other people down with me. Yeah. That's the, that moment was the moment I realized, oh, now it's on, now it's on baby. <laughs> but as far as finances go, another mentor in the company, she gave me a great piece of advice. She's like, once you have enough on retainer, like once you have enough clients that you can pay your rent alone every month, She's like, go your own way if that's what you want to do. She's like, the rest of your expenses you can make up with one-time gigs or clients that you'll pick up. And at the time, I was like, that's too fucking scary for me to do. But I trust he's she's one of the best ghostwriters in the country. Uh, it's it was excellent advice. I was like, okay, I got my rent covered. I'm fucking up clients' work. It's really time to get out. Um, and you had a third part to the question. That, that's pretty much okay. health insurance. Yeah. Ah. Well, the health insurance, that's important because I did, we had like really good health insurance. And when I lost that, I wasn't, I fucked up there too. I took too long to go to the uh, marketplace. And if you wait longer than 60 days to get insurance through the marketplace, you're shit out of luck until the next sign up period, which is actually November 1st. Um, so I had to go do like short term health insurance really cheap. Luckily, um, I don't have a whole lot of shit that I need to go into a doctor regularly for. But yeah. Yeah, that's a good question though. The adult stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I was raw, I was raw dogging it without health insurance for too long. Yeah. Um I, I wish I'd signed yeah. up through the marketplace earlier. Like I work full career in tech for a company is you know, as you if you're not smart with money like I am, was you as your salary increases your lifestyle increases with it, mm -hmm. your increases with it. So what I'm finding now is I'm at the point where money doesn't matter like what raise I get. Like I'm not any more happy. I'm not any more comfortable. But it's getting to the point that it's getting harder to bring my overhead back down in order for me to mm. then cover it with a side gig, right? So like, yeah. I've got student loans, I've got car payment, I just bought a house, right? So all these different things that are in a way like going to be really hard for me to cover my portion of unless i focus on breaking it down right so that's that's it, it's kind of trapped like it feels trapped you know? like, mm -hmm. and so and i don't want to leave without a plan because i force my girlfriend and i have so else or anything you know like move out and rent it some crazy shit like that so right so it's 
you know, that's kind of forced me to take a more, like, I guess, reasonable approach with it. Um, but it also sets the timeline a bit longer because I've got a higher target to hit before I can actually go even. Right. Of course, I need an idea. But <laughs> yes. But after that, you know? Right. You'd be surprised how much easier that idea comes when you have the runway to make it happen. You know. Well, I think also when you're back into a corner and you're like, <laughs> yeah. I know they're coming to save me. You know, so I got to figure this shit out uh, myself, or else I'm gonna, you know, be homeless on the street. Yeah. I mean, it's very real. You got how much runway? How many months of runway do you think you'd need before you felt comfortable leaving? I would want to say six months. That's the number that was coming to my mind for you, just based on what you're saying. But I mean, mainly just because a, a part of it for me is that I don't want to sacrifice the quality of life that my partner has. Yeah. My choice, right? There's kind of a responsibility that I have to not make her have to sacrifice things. Not that I, you know, she she handles her own, but I don't want to make her worry about anything or have to like cover me. And it's, and it's not like a a male versus female relationship. No, it's just like, I don't want to have her to have a sacrifice because I'm choosing to do something. Mm -hmm. So I need to be able to handle my own for six months. And that way it doesn't affect her. You know, and I can still afford to bring her You know, like little things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but six months, I think, would be enough time for me to feel comfortable managing my expenses and give me enough time to actually get some traction going. Because if it was less than that, you'd be rushing it and, and you know, it's... I think, that magic <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. We're going to get into that in a bit. How much runway did you have when you quit? Well, my caveat is that I'm in a very different situation. Right. Two months. Right. I don't have, I don't have, uh, kids. I don't have a mortgage. That's a huge difference. Um, or, or, or a girlfriend wife. slash wife. Yeah. 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 Which makes it, it makes a difference. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point. Uh, it's like, when Mason gets the idea, yeah, like, it's not like you're very happy with the decision that you made, but maybe looking back, there were things that you might have done differently yeah. in order to handle, you know, maybe preserve some of those mentors, relationships, or friends, potentially. So in, in Mason's position, when he has the idea and he's thinking about finally leaving, yeah. what advice would you give to him based on, you know, Dawson, you know, it's not like you have the intuition, listen to that, but how do you listen to your intuition to lead without... Uh, some kind of fallout happening in the process. Yeah, as far as the fallout goes, um, like hanging on to those mentors, I, what would I do differently? Man, you know how I left. Like I gave them a, a piece of my mind when I left. Like they weren't happy with how I told them things should be going. I can't say that's a mistake. Sure. Like my hanging on to um, mentors, though. I don't know if I I'm, I don't know if I'm even the right person to ask about that, dude. Every situation warrants its own approach, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if there was someone that I felt strongly enough about, like, hey, I need you in my life after this, it would be a certain approach you'd probably take on a personal level. Right. Hey, you've been great. You know, I consider you this level of excellence and uh, you know role model for me. It mean a lot if you you know step with me and whatever make them feel valuable. That would be my approach. Luckily, I, the only person I'd really consider role model a uh, uh, mentor to me in my current job was my friend before I got the job. <laughs> so, so they're probably, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be too much worry there. It would be awkward for sure because they, they actually got me the opportunities in my current position, but I feel like they didn't understand it. Hmm. But there will be a few people who I probably won't contact afterwards, you know, <laughs> wouldn't want to contact me. Well, there is. Mentorship has different levels. 
Yeah. You know, there's there's your mentors, you know, who are assigned by your company. I, I call those, okay, you're my coworker. Right. right. <laughs> and then you have mentors, you know, people who just kind of have mutual respect. And then the level, the group that I would really be concerned about if I don't my current job is what I call my board of directors. Mm. And those are the people that I can go to that I have a hundred percent trust in no matter what. You know, like can tell me what it is, can tell me how it is, can tell me, you know, yo, this sucks. Like you didn't do what you need to do for this. I mean, that that's what it sounds like your friend is yeah. to you. So I I'd kind of look at those relationships like that and say, you know what, here's the coworker. No, great. The relationship we had is very transactional. Yeah, you didn't like lunch today? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think that, yeah, I was going to bring up that point too. Like, I think a lot of times when you leave a lot of these jobs, people expect you a lot of times to leave eventually. And if they're people that you actually cared about and that they care about you, at the end of the day, the ones that are going to stick around are the ones that you wanted to stick around anyway. You know, and so everyone knows that things aren't per- permanent, especially in this day and age, you know. Especially when unemployment's like 3%. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in Austin, Austin. too. Yeah. And millennials. Um, okay. So let's kind of switch gears now and let's now wake up Monday morning and let's get to the rubber meets the road in terms of like you're out on your own. Yeah. You're a lost cub in the woods. Yeah. And you have two months of runway. Yeah. And you quit your job and probably felt good about that. And then you wake up in your apartment and it's like, oh shit, now I actually have to do this and make it happen. Yeah. Um, so tell us about like what skills you were using um, and kind of walk through, um, you know, a little bit of, of how you got your first client and how you started to make things happen. Yeah. The skills I was using is I was using the same skills, writing, editing, ghostwriting from my old job. And I was like, the last few months that I was there, I was consciously thinking, okay, what of these current processes and like, what are these current skills can I use to translate into my own shit? So I was like, I started looking at things through a different lens those last few months. Totally changed my perspective on like our internal processes. Um, the first clients I had, I mean, well, first of all, I didn't, I should have taken that first week off. I didn't because I was scared. I was like, when first I week up, after quitting the first week after quitting, I should have taken those five days and just totally reset. And I didn't do that. And I completely, I think it set me back, but instead what I did, I was like, fuck dude, I'm going to be it in month three. I'm going to be, that's when I'm going to be under a bridge. So I got to like, I got to grind even harder now. Um, and it just kind of, it, I was just like halfway hustling and then halfway t- taking time off that I should have done all in one chunk. Um, but that first client, this CEO, I was doing um, like building articles with. Um, we had a good rapport and a good relationship, but I didn't have my internal processes set up in a way that I could. I lost the dude like two months after I left. Um, and I was like, oh shit, dude, I'm really fucked now. And it was only like June. Um, but I didn't have like, I didn't have a system in place to, to go through like, okay, how am I going to get the content out of your head? How are we going to turn it into something we can edit? And how are we going to get it out into the world? Um, but that's, you know, specific to me in my industry. 
Right. So like if someone is starting something like, you know, video editing or, you know, a new brand or kind of going out and doing their own side hustle type things, what are some tips that you would give like that first month to actually get those first people that are paying clients? Uh, a big thing that I did was content marketing. I was writing articles just about shit that I already knew about from my old job. I was basically just cataloging all the shit that I learned at this media company and turning it into articles and just posting it on like Facebook and posting it on Medium and just sharing it on LinkedIn. That's how I got like my first three or four clients. And uh, I didn't even think about it as content marketing. I was just trying to put shit on my website. But it just had people would just hit me up and be like, hey, uh, I didn't know that you had gone your own way. Like, let's talk. And then boom, I'd be uh, ghost. I'd be editing a book for them a couple weeks later. So it's really like tapping. You really tapped into whatever existing network you had. You happen to have one in this writing space. Yes. But it's an exi- existing network that everyone here has. Yes. That you can tap into to then utilize the skills that you have to use them as fresh clients. Oh, and the, yeah, like, and it was way, there are way more people who needed my services that I didn't even realize. Um, you know, I'm sure that's the case with you. Like, I'm sure there, there's so many amusement parks in whatever, Florida, California, uh, not even amusement parks. I got to imagine like, like local carnivals and that kind of thing would be interested. But I think that's like with most industries, we don't realize that there's, um, we don't need to, I, I don't, I didn't need to have as much of a scarcity mindset as I thought I did. What, go on that. What do you mean by that? I was like, well, there's only there's only X number of people who need writing services, and it's pretty small. But it turns out that a whole lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs they need people that like me to help them write shit, and I had no idea. Gotcha. And so, how did you from there? Like, as you got those first clients, how did it continue? to or has continued the snowball the last like six months uh one well i went i kind of forgot about this but i went to a book launch in chicago for one of my clients that was a game changer like i met like three other clients there and i remember even talking to my dad my dad is my board of directors so to speak and i was like hey man is it a good investment like i don't know if there's going to be some concrete roi from me going up to chicago for this book launch he's like dude in meeting people in person, you could send out 500 LinkedIn messages and you're not going to get nearly as much value as you meeting 10 people in person at this event. And he was 100% right. Um, that was a big game changer. That has branched out into multiple other clients. Yeah, that's huge. I think like what you were saying, saying yes. Yeah. Saying yes to every potential client just to like get the ball rolling at the beginning and then utilizing your existing network and then actually like meeting them in person, utilizing that network instead of hiding behind a screen and hiding behind emails and things like that. Yes. hundred percent. That makes a huge difference. Um, so you had two months of runway and then what other, you know, as you're going through this stuff and you're figuring out like the actual money side of things, how are you, you know, cause everyone here kind of might start a, a side project. How did you even decide your prices? Like, how are you doing? You get on the phone with someone. How did you, like, how are you closing the deals? You know, how are you actually having those conversations and getting to that point? Yeah, I'm still fucking up on that a lot. Like that, that's still one of my sticking points is that I'm trying to, I'm trying to give prices like I had at my old company. And those might've even been too low or they might've even been, uh, 
I'm still trying to convince myself that I'm worth higher prices than what I'm charging. Like you told me this the other day. I said that like I had a new CEO client on retainer for 600 bucks a month. You're like, why are you charging so little? And I had to ask myself the same question. Why am I charging so little? Um, and I think it's like more of an emotional change that I have to go through where I have to recognize like, oh shit, I am really, I'm actually worth charging way more than what I am. Um, but picking the prices, I was looking on like freelancer websites, all sorts of bullshit that I should have never done. Like for yourself, like the Philippines price straight up. That's exactly what I was doing. Three bucks an hour. I was like, well, if I want to get, again, it was like that scarcity mindset. I was like, well, if I want to beat out, if I want to beat out somebody from the Philippines on Fiverr, I got to go lower. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to change that at the end of this calendar year. And I'm going to have to have some tough conversations with clients and I'm going to have to lose some clients because they devalued my work because I charged too little. Because you were devaluing yourself from the beginning. Exactly. So then they devalue the work. I don't put as much effort into it. I fuck all of us over when it'd be better for all of us if I charge more money. Yeah. This is something too that I see come up time and time again with um, the company that I work with and a lot of the entrepreneurs and a lot of the coaches and stuff that come on board, they're doing like, yeah, $200 packages for the month kind of thing. And they get people who don't really give a shit because it's 200 bucks. Like I spent, I have literally spent that on Sixth Street in one night, <laughs> yeah. right? Like literally, I'm not kidding. And so like when you do that for a service that you're giving or if it's a brand or something that you're offering and it's 200 bucks for that month, people don't really give a shit, you know? And if it's a, if it's a service that you're given or if it's a product, you know, it, it does, the, the value does have to, it's almost like a mind game that you have to play with yourself yep and then play it with the client yep um in response to that yeah dude and i think the biggest hurdle is telling yourself that you have the balls and that you are like worth that amount to charge because i don't know about you but a lot of times you just start comparing yourself to like well, how can i charge this amount when there's someone there's someone over here that you know whatever industry it is they're way better than me. It's like when you're playing a sport and you like compare yourself to fucking Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah. like, I shouldn't even try because there's Kobe Bryant's out there in the world. Yeah. You know, did that come up for you too? Yeah, dude. I think you saying that reminds me of something that just happened. Literally, uh, I sent the email this morning. Um, one client wants to write a movie script. All they have is an idea and they want me to write a movie script. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but like movie scripts are fucking expensive. And, um, there's actually like a set schedule of fees that the writers guild of America doesn't let you charge less than. So then na- so now I have like an outside third party saying you cannot charge less than $48,000 for a movie script. And I'm like, Holy shit, dude, is that okay? Is that like, all right for me to do? But because it took me like having a third party saying that's the minimum for me to actually charge what I'm worth. And I still went with the bare minimum. Granted, I don't have a whole lot of movie script writing experience. Right. Um, but I was, I was like, it forced my hand to value myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you guys have any questions about that? Like about getting your initial first clients, um, how it might pertain to what you guys are doing specifically or thinking about doing? I think I just want to kind of push more on that fact where you say in person effort wants to really so much more than just sending out a bunch of their personal messages. I, I think that's a really important thing, especially for people like me who would rather do the personal messages. Uh-huh. I think mo- most I think most people would. That's yeah. why it's so valuable. You know? I mean, like, so my, my dad was a minister and uh, he made most of his business literally walking street to street get the personality to like see them face to face, learn somebody on the spot. 
and and get and people just love him, you know. Mm -hmm. So and that was he. That was his trick, and he said, "I hate sending emails. I hate making cold calls. This works so much better for me." And he got lifelong clients for that. So, like it, it, that personal, face-to-face -face, like interaction is just key. And that's something that I need to learn. Is that I need to get out there and do more things like this and get in front of people when I would rather just, be, you know, like. But it's just one of those hurdles that you've got to like mentally get over. Yeah, and having that. Were you going to say something? Oh, no. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I, I'm the same way. And, um, like, the biggest sticking point for me was, like, the money investment without having, like, seeing a concrete return on investment at the other end. Um, yeah, it's funny because those opportunities are the ones that kind of like what I was talking about with my brand in general. Like, we look for the direct correlation of, like, yeah. I send this email right and then i get five thousand dollars back and it goes in my excel spreadsheet because it's very objective yes you know and it's tangible and you can track it but when you go to these in-person events you meet this one person who a year later introduces you to this person and then you do this project with them who then introduces you to that person like these things down the road or if you look back on your life from like why we're all sitting here how we all met like you, you can never see what's around the corner through the in-person, the, the personal interactions, right. but those always have the biggest benefit by far, Yeah, you know? Um, it's just, yeah, I think that's why a lot of times we don't lean into those is because it's like, well, first of all, I got to leave my house. Right. And I got to put myself in a precarious situation where people, I might run out of things to say, mm -hmm. right? Like maybe they don't like me. I fucking, I kind of smell today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you come up with all these reasons and then you just stay at home. You know, and, and then in reality, you're like, well, I'll just send a few emails and see what that happens. <laughs> so I don't really have any end like goal for what I was just saying there. That was just my rant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of just the fear of, you know, when you send that email, it wouldn't even be hard if somebody was just like, hey, no, I don't want to work with you. I had a guy send me back. I, did, I was doing cold air because I didn't know what, what I was doing. So I just reached out to 30 people with books on Amazon. And then the two, one guy got back to me. The first guy got back to me. He was like, yeah, this is cool, but I brought forward to my publisher. And the second guy was like, I'm not interested. Thanks, but I'm not interested. And I was like, fuck, that sucked, dude. That was the worst rejection I could ever get. I just didn't want Worse worse than the twenty-eight who didn't say anything, right? <laughs> I I didn't work. I sent him the email, I took it off my spreadsheet. Like I feel good about that. I did what I could. But that one that one hurt. So yeah, this is a little bit unrelated, but I wanted to ask you this. Um, it sounded like you guys were just alluding to this. You had an object you this is on new territory for you, right? And this is all uncharted territories. So it's like you would take one action thinking it would get one result, right? You, kind of like if I send this email, I get this deal, mm -hmm. go through my spreadsheet, I get $5,000. Um, I know that you put up a lot of stuff on your website that was kind of encapsulating what you were, uh, what some of your strongest values were, some writing that you did and everything. Yeah. What was the results that you anticipated by doing that? And what were the results that you got for doing that? Like the articles that I wrote? Yeah. So I was writing a lot of articles about like how to be a ghostwriter and uh, like the creative process. I was expecting, I don't know. I don't think I had expectations um, other than just like sharing shit. But then what happened is like people with a uh, potential client like signed up for a, uh, a phone interview with me. Um, I didn't follow through. I didn't want to work with them. Um, and a couple of people sent... Um, other potential clients my way that I, several of them I didn't wind up working with, but I made a connection with them. And then a couple of people actually turned into clients. 
And that's what that was in, that's writing, but that that model that you just said is applicable to everybody here, yeah. right? Because it can be like for mortgage, it can be for like stoicism and masculinity, video production type stuff. Like that system that you just said in terms of like, I wrote things about what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And then you build yourself as an authority figure in that space. And then people reach out to you for help in doing that because you're writing about it. Like, you know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. And I was just trying to share information. Or, or making a video about it or whatever, podcast, whatever the fuck it is. Right. Ryan, were you going to ask something? Yeah. So my my biggest struggle with all of this mm-hmm. is strategy versus execution. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you decide, like, okay, I've gone through, I've written, because I'll be perfectly honest, I've got notepad after notepad after notepad of ideas, and I'm going to do this and that. And the other thing, how do you make that switch from... You know, I've got all this fantastic, cool shit on paper. How did you decide to make that? He woke up on an air mattress on that Monday. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it was, but that's that's my biggest struggle with this whole thing is I'm like, okay, I've got the fantastic ideas. How do you turn the page, though, and say, you know what, time to go, because that's, that's the hardest... That's the hardest part for me here. That's been the hardest part. Yeah, it's interesting. I talk to these guys about this maybe once a week. I I have my problem is I don't do enough of the strategy. Like hardly at all. I've just been doing. Like there's a balance between whatever problems the two of us are encountering. It's the right way is probably somewhere in the middle. But like right now, I'm the I'm the last person you should ask about that. Well, I have, I have a follow-up question to that. Do you think that you not having your back up against the wall at all is probably leading to you being able to procrastinate on it indefinitely. And so for me, it's not a procrastination thing. It's a trying to figure out A option, B option, C option. The library will close in one hour. Thank you. It's a hell of a warning. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. It's, it's trying to figure out all the what ifs. You know, so what if plan A doesn't work. What if plan B doesn't work? And then having all the other plans off of plans off of plans. So you're caught. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to, yeah, that's exactly what I was in the analysis paralysis. So it's like, I'm obviously not going to get rid of the the thought process. Yes. But how do you make that? You know, the answer to that question. No, I don't. Yes, you do. (laughs) What do you think? What do you think you need to do? You can't say just do it, Alex, because that doesn't work. <laughs> why? I don't understand. Why can't you pick? Why can't you pick one and try it? Well, you can, but it's it's a the strategy to execution isn't just like a do it kind of thing. Why? You know, it, In what way? Well, at what point though do you just say like I, I have this whole strategy and everything done? At what point do you say it's time to go? That's the real question I'm asking. Do you think you're like, waiting for a perfect product before you jump? Mm. Yeah, pretty much. I think I think there's probably a lot of people working for a perfect product and they wait out their whole entire lives. That's a great way. Yeah. I think for me, you know, like somebody gave me the somebody did me a huge favor and fired me from a job, so I'd have to like quit and go through all that. Mess. So I was fired, and I think um, you know I realized that nobody was coming to save me, and I, I, I decided to do this thing, and I was a hundred percent all in and fail fast and every rejection that I got I, I took as a you know a learning opportunity and I would ask them, you know, like I, I respect your decision but you know kinda of ask why, you know, and like I would take that as a learning opportunity and always have a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like Dude, totally agree. Yeah. A little anecdote for that type of thing. You know, 
know, I'm, I'm someone like you who wants to have a perfect plan before I execute. But, you know, and this is more towards, I guess, my expertise as all the You see these people who go in, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, but they're doing it. And you, you know, six months later, they're slowly figuring it out and they're, they're getting jacked, right? And then the other people who like spent all their time not going to the gym because they didn't know the right program, they didn't know what to eat, they didn't do, but there's these guys who are just fucking game to go, right? They don't know what they're doing, they're just gonna show up and start throwing shit around. And six months later, they're starting to figure it out, they've got traction, they've got progress, right? And that's something that I keep reminding myself about is that, you know, not taking any steps is not going to be fair. It's like the, the pivotal moment is when you just say, fuck it, let's start moving. And just show up. Most people might just show up. It is a step, yeah. but that's, it, it what, feels that's like that. It certainly yeah. feels like it's hard. Because I'm like, oh, I, I came up with another plan, yeah. and that, that's where I get stuck. It's, mm. more, it's yeah. more preparation, right? Yeah. It's, it, you'll be prepared, yeah. but what comes of preparation if you don't actually like, exactly. cross that threshold, right? Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit on uh, the bad first drafts stuff? I feel like that's applicable here. Yeah, man. I, I live my life by the value of the life-changing power of bad first drafts in everything. Oh, yeah. That's a good, yeah, it's a perfect for this situation. Yeah, dude. It's given me a, it's such a cliche phrase, but like a bias for action, just like doing shit. And again, I got to step back on that. Like I got to strategize better. Um, but that's made all the difference in the world as a, as a uh, solopreneur. <laughs> completely just putting shit out there what do you mean by that i mean like if i'm gonna take on a client um I, I took on a client um maybe a month ago and i said yes to him even though i didn't know what i was gonna do i was i was pretty sure i could help him but i had no idea i didn't know 100 percent, and so i was like doing a bad first draft of that product that i was offering him and like he's happy with it man um i'm helping him edit his book and he would have been fucked without me it's like erring on the side of action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a bad product's better. Yeah. I literally put on my wall the other day. I literally got a, a Sharpie because this, this happens to me all the time too. It happens to everybody, you know? It's definitely not just you. I literally got a, a little poster board and I got a Sharpie and I wrote down something is better than nothing and I put it on my wall. It's on there right now because it's like I have to remind myself of that every morning because I think a lot of times too, it's easy for us to like go to that go to the gym right or you go and meditate or you go to that thing and you go dude i fucking got this now like good you wake up the next morning what happens like the same little fucking shit voice is in your head saying ah, just wait or analyze this a little more or you're feeling a little sick or that little bitch voice that comes in and like you have to every day be like no no, no i'm just gonna do something like i'm just gonna show up i'm just gonna like make a bad first draft like um but it's a constant reminder you know, you have to like, just do it, just do it, just do it kind of thing. Some kind of momentum. Some type of momentum, right. Mm -hmm. Like if you're sitting down to like, I'm, I'm writing my book right now. Sometimes I sit down, I write a hundred shitty, shitty fucking words. Shit. Like complete garbage. That's how you and, write a bestseller. And then, and then there's straight up. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I'm Stephen King does. Serious. Yeah. Stephen King always says like, he writes, he, dude, that guy puts out what, like three novels a, a year. Yeah. And he, yeah, <laughs> maybe, but yeah, yeah. But he, his, uh, his mantra was that he, he locked himself in a room for four hours a day and wrote whatever came. Sometimes it'd be complete shit words that would come out in pages and other times they'd be masterpieces. But every day he was in there for four hours writing something. Follow up on this, uh, Greg, I don't know if you know how much you've helped me with 
this book writing really comes into the power of bad photographs. Writing to and telling you personally, for me, I'm, I'm in a very similar situation. I'm like a strategic guy. I value that over executing sometimes. And it's like I get lost in my strategy, and it feels like the longer I put everything off, the things that are most meaningful for me, the higher stakes are when I actually sit down and do it. And it's like it's paralyzing. It's I feel guilty for avoiding it, but I also like I have this like packet of ideas that are gonna be fucking cool once I actually <laughs> sit down and do it. But the way you've helped me is uh, I've always been kind of like uh, when I'm writing, I always edit as I write, and that's it's like that makes me feel like I'm making something perfect and that's fucked me up for so long because I never write because I do something and I have two perfect paragraphs and I'm like how do I you know get anything from here so when I was starting doing the video stuff um, we were talking about that first draft and philosophy and it was just the value prioritizing doing anything over doing a strategic thing um, so then I, I, I'm not even there yet but I, I see this as a visionary thing vision down the line for me that I want to encapsulate more is just prioritizing making anything over having a good idea and putting it out the world because the stuff that I, I know that if I stay in that space where I'm just prioritizing making fucking masterpieces and putting it out there, I'm going to have three things and nobody's going to know about me and I'm not going to be reaching people I want to reach. But slowly it's been like in, the, in these videos, how can I make everything, okay, I got this level one, I get it to level two, I get it to level three, and it fucking hurts to put shit out at level one all the time, mm -hmm. but I have to bring up, I have to take one step with, with every project, um, make it look like absolute shit before I can make it just a little less shitty, but I have to bring up all of the levels of the project at the same time. Mm, yeah. It's been fucking hard to... I have to make myself vulnerable to myself when I'm making things <laughs> that I care about. I'm like, yeah. no, that doesn't match the idea it was in my head. But it's been nice to slowly, you know, fleetingly be able to grasp the idea of um, sequentially building it up instead of trying to make it a masterpiece. So yeah. Really By the way, yeah, that's extremely powerful. And by the way, too, like in a meta version of that whole thing, this event, I've been thinking about doing some type of an event for like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. And I've kept thinking to myself, well, Got to get the right space. It's got to be perfect space. Got to be the uh, got to be right on people. It's got to be all these things. And what have I done for the past year and a half? Jack shit. I haven't hosted anything. Nothing. You know. And it took. We were sitting down. It helps to have someone that like makes you do it. Get fired on purpose, kind of thing. And he's like, dude, there's free rooms at the library. Let's just book it now. And I was like, eh. like, ah. he's like, no, let's just do it now. And it's like. Oh fuck all right we'll just book it now um, i'll probably make an excuse why we can't do it later though but anyway but it finally came to fruition but this was after a year and a half of me choosing nothing over this right which is not going to be perfect it's something that might be a little like, take that part of like your issue with your kind of your strategies and maybe like your ideas is to make a proof of concept right like then, mm. you know in your head it's not going to be perfect probably straight up you just rough shoot it, you get it sketched out, and then from there you have something physical that you can then expand on, you can bring up to level two, level three, you know, re rewrite some scenes or whatever you want. And that way you, you just start that momentum, right? And that could be one way to bring the strategy to something, but not like the perfect thing, right? Like it's really rough. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I, I also think like even those best business people, like they, they plan for, you know, their, their years and their quarters and that kind of stuff, but it never goes exactly as planned. Right. You know, they're always failing and then adjusting, failing and adjusting. So, yeah. 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 So you better fucking do something now, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
um, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's go into the kind of the mistakes and the fears that come up as you go into this kind of venture, kind of like what we were just talking about. Um, what kind of things came up? I know you had a specific story that you wanted to tell. Oh yeah, around, very like briefly. A mistake that happened and like the fears that came up. Yeah, very briefly. Like the fears that I had about losing mentors, about well, one thing, like I was really stubborn about Mason, you mentioned like a certain kind of lifestyle, lifestyle inflation, basically. Like when I quit, I was like, I wanted, I was stubbornly stuck to my old lifestyle and uh, it inhibited me. Like I tried, I tried spending money in the same way I did before and I just didn't, I didn't have the money yet. Um, that's one thing that was a huge mistake. I could have used that runway for something else uh, instead of like P. Terry's hamburgers, you know? But, um, but yeah, there was, uh, I, how dare you call that a mistake? <laughs> But one night, like Jesse and I, we went out to the bar and a bunch of old people from work were coming in and Jesse was like, Hey man, like I got to tell you, um, some of the people are going to be around and like, he's like, some of them are pissed at you. Cause Jesse was still working at the company. Uh, he's like, just so I'm not like, he's like, I just figured it's better for you to know. I don't want you to be caught unprepared. And like, I still see some of these people around and there's still a certain kind of tension. And I have lost even people I'm still friends with. Like I've lost contact with them. Um, yeah, those were some of the biggest fears was like the loss of social, like being a solopreneur is fucking lonely sometimes, man. Really lonely sometimes. And that's why like, it's really important that like we have each other. Um, yeah. And what about um, like as you started that, you know, what are there any other like fears, I guess, that came up or mistakes you made that really stand out to you in terms of like, when you were the business side of things. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I brought props for y'all show and tell style, but like, okay. So like, like you guys probably would too, like any solopreneur would like, I make all of my money by things that I create on my computer and on my cell phone, dude. And I didn't, it took me so long to invest in myself and all the way up until not just a couple of months oh, ago, here. Here, I was I'll be still, Betty White or whatever it's called. <laughs> I was still what rocking this ten-year-old MacBook, dude. Dude, it, this thing weighs heavy. thirty pounds. <laughs> it's so heavy and it was so slow, and I just didn't. Uh. It's symbolically important because of my unwillingness to invest in myself in the only thing that I used to make money. It took me like three months before I made the upgrade to something that would actually do what I needed it to do. Um. Yeah, that was another thing, like the money thing, like is a, so this is kind of a, uh, Jesse, this is credit card related, so you're going to love it. But I was like, okay, how am I going to get a business loan to get this shit off the ground? Um, because I needed, uh, some extra money to, again, just like upgrade my tech. Uh, and I didn't want to get like a 10% business loan from a bank or some bullshit like that for what, what 5,000, $10,000. So what I did that this is probably one of the better financial choices I made after I left. I got a 0% APR intro credit card. So an American Express card that has a 0% purchase interest rate for 15 months. So I was like, okay, like I had to, I was like, I have to be really diligent about this. I'm giving myself a $6,000 credit line to myself and $6,000 paid out over 15 months. That's $400 a month. So I just set an automatic payment every month for $400 in that credit card. 
and it'll be paid off by the end of those 15 months once interest rates start. So I'll have a zero balance. And I just am diligent about anything I need for my business. Now I don't have to worry like, fuck, is this, how much is this gonna cut into my groceries? How much is this gonna cut into my like hanging out with Alex? It's just that money's just there for me. And my overhead luckily is pretty low overall. But that's what allowed me to go to like in-person conferences and like book launch shit. It's a $6,000 interest-free business loan. Essentially, yes. Essentially, to yeah. myself. Yeah. Uh, that was a key. That's, uh, I've covered plenty of mistakes. That was one of the things that I actually did right. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking, I really like that actually. Yeah. That's a good workaround. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, yeah. One last thing too, that in terms of like mistakes and things like that, uh, Shay, who we both know, Shay Boland. Oh yeah. Of course, you know him too. Um, we were at an event this last weekend and he was talking about how he started, um, this thing called sprint squad that we've been to, you know, and he has like 200 people or something that show up on the weekends now at Zilker park and do sprints together. And it's this huge thing. And like a year and a half ago, when he started it, he was telling the story about how he would send texts to like 50 different people, 50 to 60 different people every week. And five people would show up from that. And now he has this massive community that show it's like consistently around hundred to 150 people that show up. And a year and a half ago, he was sending 50 messages and getting a 10% response rate or 10% show up rate. Um, so I thought that was just a really good kind of story to sum all this up of like, just there's like the little things that come back from just consistently doing that action mm-hmm. um, and kind of taking that leap of faith and putting yourself out there. He did sprints for himself. That's a great point. Yeah. Consistently did it for himself and consistently kept providing people. So he went there. The, the whole driving factor behind it is because he was motivated to go for himself. And then he built something out of just expanding that. So I think that's it's that's a yeah that's a solid point especially for pretty much everything that we're all doing here it's stuff that we enjoy anyway right and it's like things that we're putting out in the world because it's like things you believe in or it's things that you enjoy doing or you're good at or whatever um and then just turning that into something bigger um cool that's about it um Rewrite the Rules, yeah. So I have my podcast, of course. Um, and then we have a Slack channel as well, the Rewrite the Rules Slack channel, basically for people that are on the solopreneur journey or um, just starting it, basically as a way to have that like workplace community, even if you're not in the workplace. So um, I can send you the invite to that. Um, of course, I have the podcast that you guys know about too. So um, and we'll be doing more of these with different topics and things like that, if I can get myself to overcome my bitch voice and do it it'll be in a year and a half it's gonna be great you'll do it yeah what other questions any other questions guys yeah side of questions please like i I think a lot of people are are in tech or creatives and 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 when you become a solopreneur um you're you're a lot of things you're you're the the salesperson you're the accountant you're the hr person you're everything yeah how did you like how do you do those business related things maybe things that you've never done before and like, do you rely on anybody else? Like any mentorship or anything like that? Yeah. A couple of things. That's a fucking great question. Like, so I use AppSumo. Are you familiar with that? I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. So I use a lot of their tools, which have been amazing. So like I'll, I have a basically a social media manager in the form of like this app that I got from AppSumo. 
that does like my social media content. Like the sales thing was a big one. I didn't realize that I was a salesman until basically Alex told me, started giving me tips on like, hey dude, this is a sales call that you're doing. And I was like, oh fuck, you're right. Yeah. Which I never expected. Um, so like his mentorship has actually helped me there. And I was not expecting that I needed mentorship in that area even. Um, yeah, I'm getting to the point where I'm probably gonna have to actually hire humans like a virtual assistant kind of thing. But so far I've just been using like um, tools through AppSumo, which have been hugely helpful. Um, like your customer relationship manager, I get that through HubSpot, the social media manager through AppSumo. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, sure. Groovy. Well, what do you plan on doing with your virtual assistant or assistant? I want to get to the point where I'm only just recording a podcast and I'm only typing shit up and I can just hand that off to somebody and it gets into that system. But I don't have a fucking it's system. Content creation system. Content creation, yes. I got to create that's I got to create like the task list. I want to just be able to focus solely on what makes me good at what I do. Because yeah. what makes me good isn't the fact that I'm able to put stuff on, upload it to YouTube, you know? Yeah. It's what writing on the page. That's my goal. Oh, now you're challenging me because I got to fucking figure this out. <laughs> I would make them edit the video, sync up the audio because I edit I video and audio separately. Make them splice it up with the footage that we film. Jesse and I do stand up and we have like a little show that's included on in my podcast. Have them splice that shit up and then add a thumbnail and then upload all of that to YouTube for me and write the description and the and the title. It sounds so fucking easy when I say it out loud. How why haven't I done it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if anyone's interested too, I have like yeah, there's there's definitely a way to like find good VAs for a really good price. To even help with like I have friends that literally use VAs for things you would never think about, like scheduling things. Like one friend of mine is really particular about where they vacation. Like she loves hmm. like certain type of hotels. So instead of spending five hours looking all that shit up, they just have their VA do it and send them back an Excel spreadsheet of like their specific specifications for where they want to stay in fucking Laos or whatever. Um, there's a bunch of stuff. The best way for that, if anyone's interested, I can send you guys stuff um, that a friend of mine who runs a company doing that, I can send it to you. But like, if you look at your day and like, even if you're in a nine to five right now and you look at your day and be like, do I have to be doing this? Like, or can every like go through the next couple of days and just anytime you're even like inputting info into the fucking spreadsheet or whatever it is you're doing, if you can literally find something that's like, can someone else be doing this? Then you can just fucking delegate it. I mean, it depends on your company and stuff like that, but even your personal life, you know, or for for the yeah. brand, you know, for the brand too. There's the other things you can have other people do. So on that note, automation systems, right? Like, as a solo entrepreneur, you want to automate as much as possible. So what was your approach, like either, what was, what's your approach to creating systems and automating things that, like, just, you know, any tasks that make your life easier in your job? whiteboard the whiteboard experience that's the only thing that i've successfully automated alex and i just got in a room it, it, neither of us would have done this without a person to bounce it off of but we just had a whiteboard and i was like all right alex your podcast system what's the check what's the order of all of the things that you have to do and we just created a checklist and it sounds so fucking simple and that's why we didn't do it is because it sounds so simple, but it like really forced us to think about the minutia. And there's no way I would have done that without another person. 
Yeah, but if yeah, if you're at home, like just get out, open a, a Word document, and just like whatever it is that you're. What, what do you have an example of something that you're thinking about to maybe like? Well, so I mean, for example, if I do expand the fitness stuff, it, it would have to do with like part of the thing would be taking on clients eventually, right? And I can't stand rewriting personal programs, right? So mm. if you do some kind of templated thing, then I can say, all right, well. And you know, input your parameters and fit it into this this templated spreadsheet that I made six months ago for strength, right? And and do it that way. That way you can scale because that's really what people are looking for is right. scaling. And you know, if you do everything by hand, you're not going to be able to scale properly. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you know, you write these master templates and then you add in the parameters for the individual, and that allows you to scale much better and be a lot more hands off, right? It's front level, but down the line, it saves you yeah and i think for your specific situation um you would get like your first two clients in fact do maybe like yeah the first like two to five and you would be creating those as you go right you'd basically be getting paid to create those systems so if you get a first two clients at whatever rate that you decide to do then you would see like oh shit like okay this is kind of the template that works here and i then i send them this email here and then then oh you know what that didn't work i think i want to do this there and then we're going to have a one-on-one meeting here and like in those first few clients, you're gonna see the system present itself naturally, and then you just fucking write that down. After a few clients, what has actually worked? You know, yeah, right. You're totally right. That's yeah. exactly what I haven't done. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. And if you, um, what's been something I've been thinking about lately is we talk about this. It's like um, as I've been looking into systems more, I'm like, oh shit, I have to come up with a system on my own, and I try. I take so long. Mm. I'm like, oh shit, I'm in this corner, and I, my things would be special. But if I were you, and specifically if you're at the point where it's like, I, I want to see what kind of fitness system. Obviously, you want to have a, your own system for your own program or template, but you could just hit up some coaches that have these things that you know of, yeah. and just maybe pay for one month or just have a consult with them. Yeah, see what they send yeah. you. Do it for like three or five of them, and then just tweet it. It's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you coordinate? Just pretend call call them, send them an email, pretend to be their client. <laughs> That's a great idea. You know, tech companies do that all the time for each other. They call and get demos from competitor companies all the time. It's the same thing, yeah. 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 I don't have the answer to that one. That's another that's another event. But I think you could make you could get a client like tomorrow, I think, with what you're doing. And since you don't need it for the money anyway, like then you could slowly build out those systems from the first two, three clients. Well, like, and I think fitness too is such a referral business, right? I mean, I think if you can, oh, if you go to any one of these buildings downtown and you find the right people, you know, they're going to introduce you to everybody in the company, right? But, you know, yeah, so yeah, it's so if you build it on referrals, I mean, that could easily be that quick, you know? It, So, like, 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 don't you think there needs to be like some kind of end goal? Yeah. So this is what I yeah. What's the first step and what's the end goal? Right, and you can fill in the middle. Yeah. So this is yeah. Yeah. It's that so yeah. That's like the offer statement you're talking about, right? Like it's like you see people all the time online and things like that that'll say like, 
you know, yours, my, all, all of us have offer statements within it, right? Like mine is, I help people live life on their own terms. That's like the brand, right? That's the thing. Yours could be something like, you know, I help guys reclaim their masculinity, you know, while getting shredded. Like, it's like that, it's like that offer statement that like, it just sums up nicely what it is you do. And all it does is it's like the, it's like the headline on the newspaper. Like it can't encapsulate the eight, the, the, the stoicism they're going to learn and like all the different health strength things. Like you can't fucking say that in a sentence or two, you know, it's gotta be like this headline. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, so these are different facets of it, and I, I want to provide like a, a general platform. But it's not like it, you know, fitness isn't necessarily pivotal to the idea. Sure, but it's definitely part, part of it. Yeah. What would you say, like, if if you took on a perfect client tomorrow morning? what would you want their end result to be in eight weeks or whatever, you know, if it's a month long thing, you're working with them or whatever, what's like the end result that you would want for that's, them? That's the hard part too, because I'm not necessarily sure, at least in the beginning stages, if this is going to be a client or business, right? Like, mm. you know, you have different things like art and those kind of guys who like, they build this idea and then they have events and then they have discussions and they have meetups. And I would rather see it as like, just this like movement rather than mm. a small uh, rather than like I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to take him from weak to strong and from like yeah. you know uh, to fucking jack bro you know like that's that's not how I'm trying to approach it because I'm trying to actually remove a lot of the aggressive like like over masculinity you know aggressive masculinity type things and just say like hey you have these goals for yourself how can I help you discover ways to achieve them? right the uh what was the phrase what was the phrase you used earlier virtuous masculinity virtuous masculinity yeah i think you could i mean yeah if that's something that you wanted to do in terms of like getting clients starting to get clients i think you could easily get a couple from the instagram you have now and the network and going that to sprint squad alone would first on virtuous virtuous up. masculinity like i think that could be your running thing of like what do you like what is it that you do and like the headline is yeah i help uh you know i get guys back to a place of virtuous masculinity something like that what the f what what really like that would pique my curiosity mm -hmm. you know i think that you could definitely get a first couple clients just from that well then, then no joke because i mean if you think about what we as as men go through you know there's there's a psychological component to being to being masculine and there's also the physical component. yeah and so certain people need those different Oh, and if you can deliver value in those, you know, really? yeah, a platform or creating a community or something like that, like a holistic approach. Yeah, because then, then you have your fitness as a service. Mm -hmm. You know, you can sure. you yeah. can you trademark that term. You yeah. can call it fast. Fitness as a service, right. and then you can figure out, you know, all this other stuff is the community part. Of that. Yeah. And then that can be your your reoccurring revenue. That can be your you know, join this platform to to be with like-minded guys that want to be on this path of what virtuous masculinity. Because I'd love to hold like events. Like my yeah. first one that I'm with the Atomic guys, I don't know if you've met Justin Hersley yet. Mm. He does that repel class with uh, Atomic. Was that the Legion stuff? Yeah, yeah that looks badass. So, yeah. This first event being like, we're going to climb the fucking repel tower and you're going to go over the edge. And it's going to be like a big, like, philosophical like subject of why that is you know you're staring your mortality in the face 
you can discover what that means to you, and you're going to discover why you're doing this in the first place. And everyone's going to go over the fucking edge, right? So like, I have this idea of like that would be the first thing, and I'd love to keep holding more like that, like expanding it, and making it like a community, like you said. I think that'd be much more fulfilling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of guys out there yeah. that are like desperately seeking yeah yeah i know it's good man yeah you got five people that would show up and you did it a hundred percent yeah yeah, I think I definitely think yeah, virtuous masculinity. You could start something with that tomorrow because it's like a perfect counter to toxic mas- masculinity. Yeah, that yeah. bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is so fucking prevalent. Right? Yeah. yeah, so funny. I mean, yeah. Was, I was on calls yeah. today where there's the bulldog. You know, and I'm just like, really? We have to do 30 minutes of you just talking about how cool and awesome you are. It's like you don't need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. You have a cool title. You understand? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this. Yeah. It's, it's a real issue. Well, yeah, and let us know. Uh, yeah, let us know how we can help with that because. I, I mean, I'm yeah. Like I said, it's not, it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about discussion. And like each person, like if you could be like, oh, this would be a great idea that we do for the next event, we'll fucking make it work. You know? Yeah. And I'll take it more than six points. Yeah, there you go. Videos come and talk about trading process. I come and talk about how to talk about how yeah. to hell yeah. Investing. Like anything, you can trade as a platform for people to share their strengths and build that community. Like, and that's how it's exciting. Like, it's yeah. something. The more I talk about, it, the more it's hell yeah, man. Which has been up here. Would this be a yeah. phase, or would it be? It would be also focused. I would love to expand it. I just would know what the yeah a wise man a wise man once said just do it is what i believe yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um anything else guys Awesome. Yeah, yeah, of course. Appreciate you guys showing up. And it's kind of meta because we're talking about building the community while we're like doing this building a community. So it's like, you know, that's what this is all about though, is like everyone hearing a little bit of like what other people are doing and where they're at. And then we connect through that and we build off of that so that, you know, down the road, you know, this stuff, you know, spreads out um into infinity when you kind of get people together like this. So appreciate you guys showing up and like being here, you know, in literally and metaphorically. Yeah, being fully present, yeah. like involved. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, like what, what, if we were to put on another event, what, in what way could we bring value to you guys next time? Like a topic or something? Whatever it may be, like what? Better snacks, Adam is thinking. Right? <laughs> I mean, my thing is, my thing is networking. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex has introduced me probably to more people, I think, in Austin than anyone else. 
someone else has. So I, I think that doing these kind of things is helpful in that way, just to, to meet people. Yeah. So I mean, I know it's not a topic. Of yeah. No. Before, but. I, that's helpful. But it's included in anything we do, right? It's like you meet people. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. If I put on just hypothetically, if I put on like a, a book workshop, like what I did, a book outlining workshop where I help you create a book outline, even if it's just a short ebook for whatever it is that you're good at, would that be something that you guys would be interested in? Yeah. 100%. Like, I, yeah. I would also totally, if you did like a writing workshop or something, yeah. I would totally be down on that. Interesting. Those are great ideas. Like copy. What about copywriting? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. But also, like all these, everybody here has unique talents. Like so, like how? I mean, I suck at making videos, and that's something I'm trying to do. I might be able. I might hire you. you know? and, and I might want to write a book someday. Yeah. You know. So like. Ten percent commission goes to me for everything that's done in this room. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just you know, like more, more topics like this. Hell yeah! How we can create it around where everyone kind of brings their strength to the table too. You know, I mean that's that's something I think we'd all be interested in. Yeah. Well, I want to learn how I can how I can work with you to buy a house because Austin fucking sucks trying to buy a house right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I think some round tables would be cool, you know, like guided discussions, but amongst people who, it's not so much like two people, like, you know, leading their own uh, conversation, but it's like a community episode where you have these guided questions and everyone who's on their own solo career journey gets to like answer it and kind of talk about each topic. So, you know, we can all get a very good, like, wide breadth of people's experiences, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that could be useful. Almost like AA for, for solopreneurs. <laughs> That's fucking funny. It's a good offer statement. I love it. AA for solopreneurs. <laughs> anything else besides like in the business realm? Like anything else in terms of like lifestyle or anything else? Any other topics like that? Think, think of the top of your head? If not, no worries. How <laughs> no, like finances, things like that, or like um, travel or things like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is it. Go to Target, buy a bean. What's a good trait or practice outside of work that you think is complementing your soul? Like, for example, like some people incorporate minimalism or essentialism into their lives, and that then permeates, you know, their entrepreneurial business. Mm -hmm. Man, should we get all probably have an answer to this? <laughs> For some um, hard people in the room, what'd you expect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably for me is definitely um, it's probably still networking. It's still putting people first. I guess is the best way to put it. Because I think in a lot of times in your like, because I've had a when I first came here, I had a nine to five, you know, for like a year, and then I realized, fuck that, I'm never doing that again. And like the people is like, it's um, it's baked into your day. You know, you don't have to do anything to get that, that contact. But I think, yeah, like putting for me, at least putting people first in terms of like doing networking stuff, like going out, like hitting people up, be like, yo, what are you doing? Like, let's get coffee. Let's get lunch. Let's do something like just meeting up with people, keeping that wheel always moving. Like that helps my personal life and it helps my business and, and that exponentially. Hmm. For me, it's been developing a core belief that I didn't realize, I, I always thought that was like a marketing kind of term and a branding kind of term. And I was like, oh shit, my core belief is like the life-changing power of bad first drafts. It's completely changed my life. Uh, 
out in work and outside of work as well. Absolutely. Just to just creating shit, man. I don't know how else to put it. Like I've created more stuff in the last five months than maybe I ever have in my entire life. Right, right. Right. I can tell that it repels a lot of people away from me, like clients, and it draws some of them, sucks them up to me in a way that they wouldn't have before if I didn't like stick that flag in the ground. Solid. Cool. Gentlemen, thank you Thanks, for guys. showing yeah. up. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> Amazing. You hear that? <laughs> Should we get a selfie? Yeah. Oh, yeah.